every now and again, someone will come into my office and they'll say something like this. I just feel so low. I can't get motivated or do anything. I, I find myself emotionally on edge with no apparent reason. I wake up in the early hours of the morning and although I feel tired, I can't get back to sleep. During the day, I can't concentrate. Even the things I used to enjoy no longer interest me. I find myself withdrawing from my friends and even my family. I find it hard to get through the day. Sometimes I wish I could just stay in bed and not face another day. So I've talked about anxiety and anger, and today you understand I'm talking about depression. I've entitled the sermon today, Why Are You Cast Down? And really that's the key of what I want to talk about today. It's a huge topic, this topic of depression, and today we're just going to touch on it. Uh, depression is the, the most complicated of these negative emotions, but it's the most common. Uh, it ranges from feeling down, we just say, well, you know, I'm down in the dumps at the moment, all the way through to deep clinical depression, which can dominate a person's life. And all of us feel down now and again, don't we? Which is why it's called the common cold of mental health. But sometimes we'll sink into deep clinical depression. They say that one out of every five people will experience depression seriously enough to hinder their normal way of life at some point in their lives. And I have no doubt that there are those amongst us here today that have experienced that uh, deep clinical depression. And so as I address this topic, I, I want to say to those who have been deep into clinical depression, I don't mean to minimize your pain, I don't mean to uh, try and give the impression that you just have to do this or that and it'll just go away. You can't just snap out of it, I understand that. And today I can't cover the whole topic. But we are going to see what we can learn from Psalm 42. Uh, Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 often go together. They, they're, they're common phrases in those two. But we're going to focus on Psalm 42. So I'm going to start by reading that psalm, and uh, Colby is going to uh, put it on the screen for us as you can follow it. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mitzah. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. 
we are very familiar with the first two verses of that psalm, aren't we? Because we sing it as a chorus. As a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. And we love that psalm because it says something about our deep thirst for God. So we are familiar with those first two verses, but I wonder how many of us were familiar with the fact that this is a psalm about depression. Isn't that interesting? That the psalmist would sing to God about his depression. And as I've said on these uh, previous two Sundays, negative emotions have a lot of negative press. Uh, very often we, we, they are seen as wrong. And uh, we, it's seen as lack of faith. And as a result, so often as Christians, we, we hide it, we suppress it. We, we put on a happy Christian face and say, well, you know, uh, not really, that's not me. So we suppress those feelings. But emotions, I want to say again, emotions, these negative emotions, are neutral. They're not wrong or right in themselves. But what we do with them does matter. And like we've said, in terms of anxiety and anger, but equally with depression. You see, uh, we were made in the image of God, and God is an emotional being. And I haven't got time to go through the scriptures that talk about God's sadness, his regret sometimes over us, his lamenting us, and certainly Jesus. So if we know this, if we don't feel guilty about it, instead of denying or suppressing this, we'll learn to express what we feel. It's part of emotional intelligence, knowing what we're feeling, but also learning to express that. And that's actually what this psalm says. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, uh, these things I remember, as I pour out my soul. The psalmist is not, not shy to do that. He, he's, he's telling God what's in his heart. And of course, we identify that with that. It enables us to get in touch with what we feel. And verse 9 and 10 are similar. I say, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Don't you feel like that sometimes? Don't you feel like that God is distant? That you can't sense his presence? Like he's not hearing your prayer? Does that happen to you? It certainly happens to me. But this psalm helps us to get in touch with that thing, that, that we are able to express these emotions. And often we engage in behaviors that, that seek to cover this pain that we feel. And there's different ways that we do that. I think men very often particularly get busy. And if I just distract myself with getting busy, 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 then I'll have no time or space to stop and think and feel what I'm feeling inside. Or we cover it with noise. We always have an iPod in our ears or watch the TV or uh, have some sort of noise which will distract and, and, and it prevents me from actually realizing what's going on inside. Or we'll anesthetize the pain. We do that with various addictive things like drink or drugs or food or sex or exercise even. And all of those can be addictive and they're ways of escaping I think for men, pornography is a great escape from facing the pain within. 
the psalm says, uh, rather, rather than do that, it says, acknowledge the pain. Why have you forgotten me? That's how I'm feeling. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemies? My bones suffer mortal agony as my phones taunt me, saying all day long, where is your God? I want to make a, a, a side comment here. It's important to note that because we feel something, it doesn't make it true. It might feel like God is not there. But of course, he's promised never to leave us. It might feel like you're unlovable. But God has said categorically, he loves you enough to send his son to die for you. So you might feel unlovable, but that's not the truth. So there may be a, a difference between the truth of what we feel, it is what we feel, and the actual truth. Because, because we feel something doesn't make it true in reality. So what I'm saying at the outset, like I've said for the other negative emotions, is that they're normal. And we need to normalize it for ourselves. We need to uh, uh, give ourselves permission to feel these things. And it's as true for all the other negative emotions. We can, on one extreme, allow them to overwhelm us. So they, that emotion controls us. And you don't want that, obviously. It gives us, that's what's given those emotions a bad name. But on the other extreme, we can also suppress them, hide them. And you say you never bury an emotion dead. You only bury it alive. It doesn't go away. And so there's a way in the middle. And the psalm, the psalm here tell, shows us that, is that we express it. We learn to express it in healthy ways. Interesting that this psalm doesn't mention the word depression, but it talks about the symptoms. And I want to quickly go through the symptoms that, that are mentioned in this, um, this psalm. Verse 1 and 2 talks about that emptiness, that thirst that we feel when we're low. Verse 2, that feeling alone, disconnected from God, maybe disconnected from people as well. Verse 3, the sadness that persists where tears have been my food day and night. Sleep disturbances maybe, not sleeping at night. Feelings of agitation, verse 5 and 6 and 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And verse 7, feeling overwhelmed like waves washing over him. Just all seems too much. And then finally he says, my bones suffer mortal agony. And all of these emotions, by the way, will, uh, will uh, touch us physically. They affect us physically. And again, just want to make a comment that sometimes if you are feeling very depressed, I think it's important to go and see a doctor because sometimes there can be a physical cause and you want to eliminate that before you look at other areas. I know that Christians sometimes um, resist that, um, but I think you would go see the doctor if you had malaria. Go and see the doctor if you have depression. Just see if there's a physical cause. The other symptoms I just want to quickly go through. Feeling of sadness, helplessness, hopelessness. A loss of interest in daily activities, appetite, and with that weight changes, and either, either overeating, comfort eating, or la lack of appetite. And of course, the weight changes that go with those. Sleep changes, either sleeping too much, can't get out of bed, or not sleeping at all. Anger and irritab irritability. I think men particularly display their, their, their depression through anger. Loss of energy, self-loathing, the story I told about the young man who needed anger management 
but he had attempted suicide. This is what happened to him. He had suppressed his anger and led to self-loathing. Reckless behavior, substance abuse goes with that. What the heck? Maybe driving far too fast and say, well, does it matter if I die? Concentration problems, unexplained aches and pains, all of those might be some symptoms of depression. I'm sure you'll recognize these symptoms when you've been depressed. So let's get into the psalm. The context of the psalm is not obvious, but there's some clues. Verse 5 implies that they can no longer, verse 4 rather, implies that they can no longer go to the temple. Verse 5 says, he, he, he talks about uh, remembering those occasions from Jordan and the heights of Hermon and Mitzah. And it's been suggested that the psalm was written by those who'd been taken off into exile as hostages into Samaria. And it seems that as hostages in exile, they were mourning the loss of their home. And especially of the temple that represented the very presence of God. They felt sad, if you like, as a result of what had happened to them. And here's the thing, folks, is that depression is normal and natural. It's something that we feel and experience when we experience some kind of a loss, any loss. There would be something wrong sometimes if we didn't feel depressed. Does that make sense? Depression is a normal part of grief. And I know there's folk among in your congregations who've experienced multiple griefs and can speak so much more, more clearly on these things. But even if you're full of faith, even if you're full of faith, you will grieve. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. And any loss will result in some measure of feeling sad. And all of us suffer, suffer losses. The loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a marriage, divorce, it's called the living death, the loss of health, the loss of uh, friends who leave the country, loss of an income, we can all say that, eh? <laughs> or a standard of living, loss of an expectation, loss of a hope of what you might have expected in children or a business, and especially, of course, the loss of when we've lost someone when we've been bereaved and so the psalmist is grieving the losses that they experienced and we need to give ourselves permission to grieve the losses that we've experienced as I say don't bury it don't let it overwhelm you but learn to express it but I think there's more going on here in this psalm I think there is an element of lamenting of mourning the condition of Israel's spiritual state the state that resulted in Israel and Judah eventually being exiled, carried away to a foreign land. And the cry out to God is to say, what have we come to? And in the same way, Jesus mourned over Jerusalem. Do you remember that? He says, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you as a hen gathered her chicks, but you would not. And Jesus was lamenting the hard hearts of the Jews who refused to recognize their Savior who was right in their midst. Nehemiah, also at the beginning of Nehemiah, we read how when he heard the report of what had happened in Jerusalem, scriptures there, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. 
The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. This is his response. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So not only do we feel depressed when we grieve, but sometimes we should be depressed when we mourn. It's interesting that Jesus said, Blessed are they that mourn. Do you mourn? Do you mourn the condition of the church? Do you mourn the condition of the church in Zimbabwe? Do you, do you mourn for your country, for Zimbabwe? Do you mourn for yourself? When you see your own condition, you recognize your own condition before a holy God. As Isaiah, who when he saw the glory of God seated on his throne, he said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. So yes, sometimes, folks, we should be depressed. And the promise is, Jesus said, Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. We won't know that comfort until we've been to that mourning. But the psalmist continues and he asks the question in verse 5. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And I I think that's the key. That's why I've called this talk, uh, uh, why are you downcast? It's a key question. It's so important to ask that question. What is behind this depression? And in verse 7, alludes to something very deep and significant. It says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All the waves and breakers have swept over me. And so I I think the psalmist is saying there's something deep within me that calls out to something deep within God. There's something very significant at work here. And I don't want to miss it. And then he goes on to counsel himself. He says, put your hope in God. And hope is that light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? Hope is the way through. You know, when we are depressed, it's despair, really. In counseling terms, we talk about depression being an unreachable goal. It's something at work with inside of us that's become unreachable. We despair. We lose hope. And this is where the psalm links to the opening verses. The psalmist expresses his thirst for the Lord. Wants to, to drink of, oh, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you, Lord. There's an emptiness, there's a gap, there's a hole in my heart, Lord, that I desperately need you to fill. And as I mentioned last, last Sunday, there are these negative emotions uh, are clues to something deep within us. They are clues to our legitimate needs, but our problem is not that we have the needs. Our problem is that we try to meet those needs our own way, apart from God. We have deep critical needs to be loved, to be valued, to belong, to be affirmed, to have security, to have meaning and purpose. God created us to have those things. Our problem is not that we have those needs. Our problem is that we look to people 
And we look to things of this world to try and satisfy that need, to try and fill that gap. And so we look for, to relationships, for security. And of course, marriage is good. Marriage is of God. But if I'm depending on Aidy for my sense of love and security, she can't love me like I need to be loved. I will become de demanding and grasping and dependent, trying to make her give me what I desperately need. And it doesn't work, folks. And so when I despair of that, I begin to realize, oh, yeah, th this is what it is. There's a hole in my heart and I'm looking in the wrong place. Or maybe we look to money or, or possessions to be valued, to be someone important. Use that worldly criteria that values people. Drive a fancy car, live in a big house. I'll be someone valuable. Doesn't work at the end of the day. And so often our Christianity and our prayers are self-centered. Our faith and prayer focuses on what we want God to do for us, to change the circumstances on the world, to give us those needs. But it's He Himself, not the world, not other people, it's He Himself that will meet that need. We demand from Him things of this world that we think will make us happy, that job that will give us the money, give us security, that relationship that we think will give us the love and security, that recognition in the church that will give us a sense of worth and acceptance, or home, vehicles, clothes. You know, there's nothing wrong with these things in themselves, folks. They, they're not. It's when we depend on those things to try and meet this hole in our heart. When we look to those things, then we are going to end up depressed. We say that uh, when, when we do that, when we're looking to the things of the world and other people, when that goal is blocked, we get angry. When that goal is uncertain, we get anxious. But when we've tried and tried and tried and failed, eventually we will despair. We lapse into depression. But it's our sinful independence our desire to, to, to look to these things apart from God, that is our problem. And so what is the answer? And verse 5 says it there. It says, uh, and he repeats it in verse in 11, put your hope in God. And I want to say hallelujah for depression. Hallelujah for problems. You see, it's this despair that leads us to him that drives us to put our hope in Him. It's when we despair of our own strategies and ways of trying to meet the needs that we come to the end of ourselves and say, Lord, it's not working what I'm doing, but I want to now put my hope in You. Why are You downcast, O my soul? And part of the answer to that is realizing that I have despaired of getting that deep need met my own way getting the love and the security and the value from things like money and relationships and things of the world. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Are you depressed? Are you feeling down? The question to ask is, what deep need have you despaired of receiving? So good to do some kind of a journal and try and link the feeling with the event, the trigger. Because then it'll give you some clue to saying, well, okay, maybe that's what it is. Once you've identified the need and what you've been doing to try and meet that need, 
You need to repent of that. You need to repent of the sinful independence. We need to tr- uh, confess that we've been trying to make life work apart from God. We need to turn to Him and put our hope in Him. Let your pain acknowledge it, but let it drive you to Him. Take your pain to Him. He who loves you with an everlasting love. And receive from Him what you need. It's a spiritual problem. Psalm 34 says, He is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted. And that's what the Lord wants us to come to Him in our brokenheartedness. Verse 8 of this psalm says, By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me. It's an echo of those words in Zephaniah. He takes great delight in you. He rejoices over you with singing. And when we know something of the love of God and what He thinks of us, that's where we need to go and receive that for ourselves. That's why I like the word thirst. We have this thirst within us because what we need to do is drink from the Lord. So take your pain, take your emptiness, take your aloneness, Take your anguish and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Confess how you've tried to get your needs met your own way and then receive from Him. And the psalmist continues, and says, For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And it seems the psalmist decides to praise the Lord despite feeling low. And we said this when we talked about anxiety, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice always. It's our focus. What's our focus on, the problem or on the Lord? And likewise, in, in, in depression, when we're feeling sad, is, is our problem, is our focus on us or on the Lord? And it's praising Him no matter what. And maybe especially when we feel down. Because He doesn't change. We sang it earlier, didn't we? He doesn't change. He might feel like He's not there, but He is. And we need to go to Him and rejoice in Him. Good practice to always praise the Lord, especially when you're feeling down. Put a praise music, some praise music on and join in in just focusing on the Lord. So put your hope in Him and rejoice in the source of that hope. That hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, I hope the weather's good tomorrow. Our hope is sure and certain and it's based on the promises of God. I was going to take some time to talk about that hope, but I, I thought probably not enough time. But just to say this, it's in this knowledge of our hope that keeps us going through the tough times. It's as we despair of the things of the world, as we despair of trying to get our needs met in this world or through other people, that brings us to a place of desperation where we say, Lord, it's not working. And we transfer our hope onto Him. Our depression can seek us, to dry, seek us to drive towards Him. To know something of His presence now. And to taste something of heaven. Scripture talks about setting our hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And last, was it last week? No, the week before that, I talked about anxiety and reminded you that the peace of God does not depend on circumstance. 
And the Apostle Paul talked about a contentment, a contentment whatever his circumstances. He said, whether I'm poor, rich, whether I'm hungry or, or well-fed, he said, I have learned to be content. And you see, it's what he's saying is, I have, I have peace, whatever the circumstances. And that's what we need to learn, that our, that our contentment is in him. Can you say that? That our contentment is in him. Whatever's happening on this world. The bad news, folks, is that things are going to get worse before Jesus comes. So then, to sum up, when you're feeling depressed, I think the first thing is to acknowledge your pain. Acknowledge that emptiness. Acknowledge the deep thirst in your soul. You are created to have those needs met. So pour out your soul to him. Tell him how you feel. And secondly, try to identify what you may have been relying on to have those deep needs met. And repent of looking to people and things of the world to satisfy your needs. Trying to make life work apart from God. Trying to be independent of Him. Repent of trying to have your needs met through people. Or getting their approval or their affirmation. Or getting security through money or possessions. Or being controlling of other people. Repent of looking elsewhere for satisfaction and fulfillment. Repent of those times when we've covered up the pain with our busyness and our noise. Or we've tried to anesthetize the pain with, with drink or drugs or sex or food or exercise. Instead of just acknowledging the pain, allowing it to come to the surface and bringing it to Him. And then when we've done that, we need to drink of Him, receive from Him, believe in Him, put your hope in Him. Look to Him in who He is for that abundant life. Receive all that you need from him. His love, his affirmation, his assessment of your value, his uh, uh, purpose for you, irrespective of your situation. And then with uh, joyful anticipation, you can be praising God for who he is. <coughs> I want to close with a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, God allows us to experience the low points in life in order to teach us lessons that we could learn in no other way. I thank God for problems. I deal with problems all the time, other people's problems and my own. Uh, but I thank God, I do. I do. Because if people will face their problems honestly and do as we've been talking about, it will bring growth. It will bring growth in our relationship with God. And if you're having a hard time and if you're going through trouble, Thank God for that. But allow those troubles, allow that pain to drive you into the arms of God. Before I close, I want to um, say something about those people who might be here who've never had a real personal relationship with God. Maybe you've never uh, known what it is to know God and to know His love, to know that forgiveness and that freedom that comes from what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to say, if that's you and you're here today and you say, I, I, I really want to know what it is to know this love of God, to know the forgiveness, then please don't leave this service without coming forward and talking to one of the elders. Trevor, Tony, Mark, Ian, of course, is not here. Um, talk to one of them. I'm sure others would be willing to pray with you, chat with you. But don't go away 
if you're saying, yeah, I, 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 I know there's something more, but I don't know what it is. Come and talk to somebody. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you for your presence with us. And Lord, I thank you that you who are almighty, you who have created the universe, are right here with us. You know each one of us. You know what's in our hearts. You know what we go through. You know uh, what's going on in our minds and our hearts when we're all alone in that secret place. And I know that you care, that you are close to the brokenhearted. That's our God. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I, I pray that you'd help us firstly to be honest about how we're feeling, just to be clear about expressing things as they are, not to be in denial, but to really pour out to you, pour out to you what's going on in our heart. And Lord, that we would acknowledge where we've tried to get our needs met ourselves, where we've tried to replace you We've depended on things other than you to get that love or that value or that purpose or that belonging, that acceptance. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for that independence. And then lastly, Lord, I pray that you would pour out yourself into us. I pray that today, as we sit before you, we would know that unfailing love that you have for us. I pray that you'd give us that power to grasp that love, the length and the breadth and the height and the width of it. Help us, we pray. We ask these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.